Holy moly. What the heck is happening here? Hey, hey, let me out of here. Hey, you, give me back control of my body. Psst, nah, dude, this is my body. You already effed it up. No, it's not. Whatever, man. I don't take orders from a reflection. <laughs> I'm not a reflection. Help! I think an anaphasic alien took over my body! You're an anaphasic alien! Nuh-uh, you are! Hey, what is this thing on my face? It's my face! Fine, 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 don't answer it. I don't need you. Hey, hey, get back here! Oh, man. Strange new takes. I'm your host, Notch Garnigan. With me, dustling for control of Rutherford's brain, is Adam Bowen. Welcome to Strange New Takes. Today, we'll be cut sharing a recap of the Lower Decks episode, Reflections. Make sure to follow us on social media if you don't. We use the handle at Strange New Takes on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Tell your friends about the podcast too. We always enjoy getting strange new listeners from all over the world. And finally, Go over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating. That helps us appear just a little bit higher when someone searches for a Star Trek podcast to listen to. And this is the point where I tell you that uh, we are going to be spoiling this episode. We also might be spoiling random other things from Star Trek and uh, kind of anything. So uh, just be prepared for that and join us. All right. Well, thanks, Adam. Um, today we're going to be talking about the... Uh, episode of Lower Decks Reflections. It's the fifth episode of season three. It first aired on 22nd September 2022. It was written by the show's creator and showrunner Mike McMahon and it was directed by Michael Mullen. Michael Mullen, of course, Admiral Michael Mullen, the United States Navy Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff under President Obama. I thought he sounded yes. familiar, so yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, strange career turn for Admiral Mullen, but here he is uh, directing an episode of Lower Decks. The in-universe date is 58354.2, that's the start date, and it translates to 2382. All right, well, we always start our episodes with our strange new takes. So, Adam, do you have a strange new take for me? Yeah, uh, so recently uh well, i guess maybe for the past few weeks uh i've had a chicken that is uh uh sick with egg yolk peritonitis which is basically that she has been laying her eggs internally instead of actually like producing eggs so she has lots of egg yolk kind of swimming around in her abdomen which is pretty dangerous so uh after we figured out what was going on uh, managed to get her um, a uh, an implant that will help uh, prevent further laying. And so uh, that should hopefully, uh, she is already showing signs of getting better. It, it was touch and go for quite a while, but had to do a lot of tube feeding of my chicken. But uh, now she is happy and excited to eat food and drink water and do chicken things. So I am delighted. Oh, and Good. I guess I, I need to also do the episode too. Uh, let's see. As much um, as we love your chickens, this yeah, podcast yeah, is mean, about that's, Star Trek. That's, it's that's after we're does. done here that we do your chicken <laughs> podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah. So for the episode itself, um, I don't know. I I, I kind of uh, I I kind of forget that they have this 
backstoryline going on in the background for Rutherford that there is this sort of like mystery around his implant that we have never uh really gotten a whole lot about uh I think the first hints were were in season one so they've been doing it throughout but uh for some reason it keeps surprising me when it comes up uh that we have such a long-running arc for for Rutherford so it wasn't I enjoyed getting to see a little bit more yeah, yeah, it is. It is a little bit more of a serialized turn than we're used to, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, uh, my strange new take is going to be about fiberglass insulation, <laughs> and as you may guess, dear listener, I've been working with it a little bit. That shit is itchy as hell. If you get it on yourself and you manage to like scratch, you know, or like you know, basically, if you put pressure on even like a dust of fiberglass and wipe it across your skin, you're opening up small little tears that then itch like crazy and they don't stop. So just be very careful. You've got to cover yourself up as much as possible. But unless you're Steve Jobs, you probably don't have turtlenecks handy at home, uh, which would I be ideal for working with uh, fiberglass. So so just just as a pro tip, when you when you're working fiberglass, go go buy some turtlenecks. Uh, dad jeans optional uh maybe if you have some legendary new product to unveil you can you can complete the look anyway with this episode i i hadn't realized that we are returning to a planet that we've been on before did you catch that adam oh is is this the one where uh they yeah was this the second episode of it's it's, a, it's it's the I think it's the, from the second season of Lord X. It's Tulgana oh. Four, which is the place that they have that the the episode Envoys where they've got to drop that Klingon off. Okay, I remember that there was a Klingon involved, but I for some reason thought that was the second episode of the uh, of the series. But yeah. Oh yeah, you're absolutely right. Damn, you're like Whoa. the Star Trek Oracle. I should never like. <laughs> I should never try to correct you ever again. It's the second episode of first season Envoys. Yep, General Corin. Uh, so anyway, I, I am now to the point where I need to go online and read all the lists of references. Cause I, there's, especially when Mike McMahon writes an episode, yes. they're just packed in so <laughs> deep that it's hard to sometimes, uh, catch, uh, catch all of them. So th- I guess that's my, my strange new take. Well, here's the episode summary from memory alpha. Mariner and Boimler work the Starfleet recruitment booth at an alien job fair. And Rutherford challenges himself. That last part could maybe use a little work there, memory alpha. I, uh, I, I guess I guess Rutherford does challenge himself, but it's uh, to, it, it is very easy to not read that the way that it actually happens to the episode. Right? Yeah. Maybe, maybe he uh, he has a a battle for his consciousness. I don't know. Some something else a little bit more. <laughs> descriptive here might might have might have spoiled they didn't want to spoil anything unlike what yeah. we're, we're about to do so very very laudable very laudable <laughs> right there okay all right let's uh let's let's jump in to an in-depth discussion of this episode uh the first thing i want to just ask is why is that big dude always in a towel like, he's <laughs> always in a freaking towel when we go to that like barracks room yeah even I, in the middle of the night is is he even a character anywhere else except when he's walking through the hallway <laughs> because yeah i i feel he's he's been here several episodes i think this season alone and uh yeah it's just he's a staple of uh lower deck's life so, so his name's Ensign Fedorov, by the way. And the question I have is, is Ensign Fedorov, like, 
assigned some place in the ship where he can't wear clothes. It has to be like the towel is his like operating <laughs> uniform. He's like the sauna operator or something. Like, <laughs> I, I, like what is what is Ensign Fedorov's job? For him to wear his uniform, so he has to wear the towel. Or, or you know what? He's actually works in sedation ops, and underneath the towel is a speedo. There we go. He's it's it's a, a modesty for at, at least for the viewers. Uh, it, it, clearly, in lower decks, uh, modesty is a is a thing of the past. But uh, maybe this is just to uh, sneak it by us in the twenty uh, first century here. And I mean, those dolphins we know from lower decks are super horny. So, yeah, so they, I they mean, this all, no. this, yeah. this all fits. This all fits. They would pick Ensign Fedorov to be the guy who services their tank. Well, uh, Adam, as always, lovely to be on this podcast alone with you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we do always do this, but yes, it is a yeah. delight every single time. <laughs> yeah, Ensign Fedorov having sex with the sedation of dolphins. Okay, all right, let's let's move on. Um. So, the show opens with a big reveal. Like, goddamn, man, we've asked about this. This has been the big question with Rutherford since the beginning. Like, how did he get his implant? Like, what's the story? We got that, like, half a scene of those people, like, mm-hmm. like the, the creepy shadows talking about his implant. Like, I think it was last season that we got a hint of that. And now we're finally getting something. And, and it opens with the accident that hurts him. Yeah, and it's... uh. I mean, and I think we even got like a hint, a hint of that a a, a little bit earlier episode where with the, um, uh, well, not not hundred percent sure. It's it, there felt like a lot of imagery, or at least I there were moments where I felt like the accident was about to happen or things like that. So, uh, it is it feels fitting that it was some sort of like engineering accident that that caused it. But it's it's very I'm very interested to see why this turned into some sort of uh like secret plan uh where they they sort of like forced this implant on him because it's uh this clearly wasn't just like a normal test engine type situation uh like at the daystrom institute or wherever it is that they do that stuff sorry that's probably that's probably uh jupiter or uh either utopia planitia or what is the, the jupiter shipyards yeah, Jupiter, Jupiter Station. Jupiter Station. That sounds like a thing. I think that's Mass Effect, actually. I think Jupiter oh, Station th- is a Jupiter Mass Station. Effect. Not yet. <laughs> but hey, so 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 okay, okay. Have you have you have I? I think on this podcast I've mentioned this the John Cho TV series Flash Forward. Have you have you heard heard me I'd, talk about this before? Uh, I have completely forgotten you mentioning it. If you have before. Okay, so it's based on the novel Flash Forward by Canadian sci-fi author Robert Sawyer. And it was adapted by David S. Goyer and Brian Braga. So it's got a Star Trek connection. Oh, interesting. And basically what happens is that everyone on the planet simultaneously loses consciousness for 2 minutes and 17 seconds on October 6, 2009. And basically they all see what appears to be visions of their lives on April 29, 2010, a global flash forward six months into the future. It's a cool concept. I actually want hmm. to read the novel because the TV show was atrocious. It was very bad. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, and there's like two episodes of the show that end in very similar ways. Someone gets it. So so basically all the characters are like, what happened? A bunch of people die because like planes crash and all mm-hmm. this crazy shit happens. So then 
all these people are trying to figure out what happened. And then the, at one point, someone gets into a car and there's a shadow he's speaking to. And then we see it from the back and these two shadows are talking. They're like, oh my God, they, they're starting to learn. We can't reveal this. And it's like, yes, it'll be disastrous if they learn the truth. We can't allow the truth to be revealed. Yes, we must, we must cover this up. And the next episode ends with two shadows in an alleyway. They're starting to learn the truth. We can't allow this to be revealed. We have to cover up. It's like exactly the same ending in two consecutive episodes. And, and that's and what... I, I mean, I'm assuming that it turns out that they this is the temporal Cold War and it's actually Archer. Uh, is yes, the, of course. Yeah. yeah, it's actually, it's just a backdoor re-reboot of Enterprise. Uh, that's the way it went. <laughs> uh, no, it, it got canceled. So I don't think they actually ended the show at all. So, oh, delightful. Um, and even if they did, I don't have any idea if anyone watched the damn thing. It was horrible, atrocious. I was a huge John Show fan. Bad TV show. Anyway, um, but that's what this reminds me of. You know, the 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 admiral being like, "We must hide his memories. He must forget everything, or whatever the line is." Uh, and now I remember another uh, John Show t- TV show that was also bad, which was uh, the Cowboy Bebop uh, live action. Horrible. Really? Uh, yeah, but. Generally, I don't think they've ever made any good live-action anime. At, at least Netflix hasn't. <laughs> well, Midnight Diner, actually. I said corrected. Midnight Diner is very good. I mean, it's more manga than anime. Oh, I still. didn't realize that it that it had... That, that it was... Really? Yeah. It's adapted in Japan by NHK before Netflix bought it. But okay, still. yeah. I didn't realize that that was already an adaptation itself. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so... It's um, it's a bad mural or bad captain or something that's uh that's that's responsible for Rutherford's implant, and you know we left with a mystery that we're gonna solve at some point. Yeah, ho- hopefully we don't uh, pull a a uh, flash forward or a uh, Enterprise and just like never actually get around to it, but. yeah they just end the series without explaining what happens yeah but keep on adding on mystery and then yeah no no payoff Uh, rutherford dies and then Riker walks out of the holodeck i mean you know that's gonna be the last episode of the lord decks right like it's like Riker, like the whole thing's with a simulation like that's 100 how mike mcmahon rolls yeah, that. Oh my God, I really hope that they do that. Cause it, yeah, it, like now that we we have revealed Cetacean Ops, uh, like that was one possible like se- series finale type thing where they they open up the door and it's Cetacean Ops, but then we never actually see it. Uh, and uh, yeah, th- but th- this one does. Yeah, I mean we we've set it up that th- this is uh twenty three eighty two and we already have uh like current day Will Riker is uh in uh the year 20 was it 2400 2401 in picard at the moment uh so yeah we could we we probably will have him learn some sort of lesson about uh whatever it is that they're doing in star trek picard season three yeah there you go there you go we should have promoted boimler a long time ago is what he learned (laughs) well uh getting so okay we've got a mystery we're not going to solve it today but I, I really like the way that this whole storyline kind of unfolds, where they have Rutherford's, like, younger self take him over. Yeah, I, 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 well, what, they, was it the anaphasic alien was the original uh, thought that, that he yeah. was, uh, which I, uh, it was interesting because I, I just fully wasn't expecting this to be, 
yeah, I, I, I was, this came out of nowhere for me, uh, essentially. Like, I, I, I was not expecting there to be, like, this mystery that he was a completely different person before or something like that. Uh, and it seems like we've, we've got kind of a um, Nick Locarno slash Tom Paris type beginning for uh, for Rutherford, which is uh, intriguing because he's uh, pretty much the opposite of that kind of character now. So first of all, Anaphasic Aliens, you know what episode that's a reference to? Unfortunately, no. I, that, I'm blanking on that one. Probably a good thing. Sub Rosa. <laughs> <laughs> from tng <laughs> oh my god <laughs> yeah. yes 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 uh, uh, at, at least we yeah no one was having sex with any ghosts or whatever <laughs> now i'm disappointed we did not get that but no rutherford did not have sex with any ghosts we did get eugene cordero Showing a bit of his range, as you mentioned, which, first of all, I hadn't noticed how much of a Jeepers Creepers golly molly guy Rutherford was until this moment. Like, yes. now it's, like, very evident to me, but, like, that he's always been this way. But, like, until until bad Rutherford was, like, trying to, like, copy him, I didn't realize just how ridiculous he is. Yeah, because he, he kind of has that, like... Uh the way that kids are always written in Star Trek, for some reason, they are characters from Leave it to Beaver in the 50s or whatever. <laughs> and that's like the only way we can write any child, uh, including a lot of episodes with, with West, Wesley Crusher. But it's just like, so we, we have, like, he's not a kid, but he has that kind of like uh, uh, outlook on life and like style of talking, which uh, they've, they've sort of seamlessly fit that into his character and into this show. And we just kind of <laughs> accepted it. <laughs> Yeah, Rutherford's like, Tendy won't believe you. That's not what I sound like. He's like, Jeepers, Creepers. She's like, yeah, okay, no problem, Rutherford. It's all good. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's it's weird to hear Eugene Cordero play Rutherford as just, like, a normal dude who says stuff like fam and, like, uses, like, swear words and stuff. Yeah, especially, like, the, the only other time that I, I recall seeing Eugene Cordero was in... Uh, the uh disney plus uh marvel series um uh loki and uh he he plays very much like a jeepers creepers type character in that as well uh which i mean like maybe that was part of the i i don't i don't know which thing happened first like was was uh lower decks a pitch for him to get that role or was that role a pitch for him to get lower decks but uh uh yeah so i i was definitely (laughs) surprised to see this uh, whole other side of eugene cordero yeah, no, it's it's really freaking cool, and like I, uh, I'm now like I I don't think I've seen him in anything else, and I kind of want to now. Um, see if there's something else that he pops up in that I'll recognize him, especially something live action, you know, because mm-hmm. he's done a bunch of voice work, especially in the last few years. But mm-hmm. um, I'm curious to see if there's something else where he's like been in the background and I just haven't noticed, you know, him pop up. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like like Tawny Newsom is in a whole bunch of things that I keep on coming across. Uh, so yeah. It's it is interesting to see like the lower decks people uh, that a, a lot of them do have a lot of uh, sort of exposure for other with other things before Star Trek. So the other thing I got to ask you, and since we're talking about Eugene Cordero, Eugene Cordero is Filipino, and so is Rutherford clearly now. Because did you notice the name of his pod racer? I've forgotten it now, but <laughs> it's the Sapaguita. Which ah. the Sampa Guida is the national flower of the Philippines. Oh, okay. That makes sense. 
Yep. So that's like, it, it's now we're seeing. And the other thing someone's told me is that he's always eating purple uh, cupcakes, which is ube flavor, which is a popular Filipino flavor as well. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it, it's, uh, I think like a couple of, because I mean, <laughs> Star Trek has a bad history of just like uh, rewriting people to be like, uh just be like their their origin is uh, especially like the original series their origin would be like asian and like that's the only thing that like uh, i think that uh the original pitch for sulu was not that he was japanese it's just that he represents like all of asia or something like that or Kura yeah. had a similar thing where she was like from africa and that was as far as they developed uh her background so i i, I like getting to see uh us actually explore explore like like hints of specific cultures that the that our characters are from instead of just kind of allowing them to be um like fully generic and whatnot and then only develop people that are uh uh from alaska or indiana or uh mm -hmm. oh, stuff like that yeah absolutely he's got and, and it's not like it's not like it's like there's an, a very special episode where they go to the filipino planet <laughs> yeah and, and rutherford can get along with all of them i mean we had gangster chicago planet so why can't we <laughs> <laughs> okay gene no, no we're not gonna do that <laughs> oh my god they had a, a social media post about um tasha yar and they definitely had a screen. They were like, she is like very strong and like whatever. And they had a picture of like, uh, what's that episode of TNG, the third episode or whatever, the one where they go to the like incredibly racist planet. Oh, um, Code of Honor. Code of Honor. They had a screenshot of Code of Honor. I was like, no, 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 no. We pretend that doesn't <laughs> exist. No, no, put that in there. Don't put that in there. Um, oh, no. Yeah, so creepy. But anyway, um, yeah, so so we get we get that hint about Rutherford's like background himself as well, and we find out he was kind of like a definitely like you're saying like a Nick Locarno type like fly by the seat of your pants kind of racer in yeah, Starfleet Academy. Yeah, like uh, do, uh, if if some people get killed in this program, like that's just like how things roll and whatnot. Uh, which I I feel like this had to have also been a reference to something. It it, fe it felt very familiar to me, but I couldn't quite place uh when when we've we've seen this it it was this or it or it was just a, a sort of invented whole cloth i this, am not sure this is, a, this is a question that i just asked assuming that you would know the answer and then uh both of us started reading <laughs> every <laughs> alpha uh as far as i could tell it doesn't mention anything so maybe this was just uh uh fully invented um I mean, reminds me a little bit about uh, uh, they have s some of these this type of racing uh, is like a storyline in uh, the Expanse uh, series, which mm. uh, shout out to the Expanse uh, best science fiction that has come out in the past uh, d several decades, I think. Uh, so it's uh, yeah, uh, but I so I, I like getting to see that in Star Trek. And it's interesting seeing it from a perspective of an engineer rather than um, just somewhat like some hotshot pilot uh, yeah. doing things. Because I, I, we've done that in a few different iterations in Star Trek, at least. I mean, he might be both, right? Like, we don't know what his uh, situation is. Yeah, yeah. Before the accident. Uh, apparently, he was the Fonz. <laughs> 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 Except, like, much like more of an asshole. Uh, and... Yeah, it's it's kind of 
it's going to be amusing to find out, I think, more about Rutherford's, like, change in personality. Like, why he got this Jeepers Creepers new personality from being that way. If, if, yeah. he, if someone in his life was like, yo, we need to, like, change this dude because he's too much of a dick. <laughs> I also, I, I love that, uh, like, part... The, the way that they, like, weaved this into previous season storylines is like, oh, yeah, it was, I'm the one that likes pears, and, like, that's why that <laughs> thing happened. <laughs> I was trying yeah. to take control over your body. <laughs> and then, of course, the two of them decide to have a race. Uh, and, yeah. And then I didn't know what Brotherford was going to do, and he's like, I know exactly what I'm going to, like, build or whatever, and it's a fucking Delta Flyer. And I was like, then I, I mean, the rest I knew exactly what was going to happen. He was going to make the race suits and everything. It was like... Well, of course. Of course he's going to do that. It's too uh, bad he didn't, like, replicate Tom Paris uh, in his own head, too, and have Paris fly with them. Yeah, yeah. Which I, I guess I, I... Part of why I wasn't expecting, like, the... Something like the Delta Flyer is just... Uh, it, it's felt to me that, like, each of the seasons of Lower Decks seems like it's going to try to do, like, one of the series of Star Trek, where the, the first season was more, like, TNG, second one is more uh, 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 Voyager, and then third one was maybe going to be DS9. At least we, we, we know that they're going to show up at DS9 at some point. Mm -hmm. uh, but, uh, yeah, it, it, was, it was delightful getting to see that, and I... I can see how uh, Rutherford would Rutherford would also be into uh, uh, aspects of like Tom Paris and whatnot in the way that um, Boimler is too. Well, it's like it's the fastest shuttle in the fleet too, right? Like, I mean, the it's got like storied exploits. Like, it can yeah. pretty much do anything. Uh, fly underwater. Apparently. Well, and and I, and I guess in this case, uh, this is only like three or four years after they became probably aware of the Delta flyer and like had its specs. So it, it's a, it's a relatively recent advanced ship right. that uh, uh, probably would have been uh, like highly studied for people that are kind of just uh, becoming ensigns. I thought, I thought the reveal of like, I have friends and I created them. That was really like meaningful and heartfelt to see like, yeah, that's why he wins is because he, he yeah. has, you know, he's he's not kind of this guy flying by the seat of his pants. He's really grown and learned something in his um, later years. Well, and, and I like I appreciate that because it's also I feel like storylines like this where it's like one engineer trying to out engineer the other engineer. Often like the resolution is just like and then we the writers deus ex machina one of them to win at the end because like uh, we want our main character to win. Uh, but instead, we like to have it be something where it's it's not his extra engineering knowledge. It is his friends. I, it felt it felt more satisfying and also fits with yeah. a lot of the themes that they've been exploring uh, like this season where that there's instances where they could go it alone or they could uh, like one person could like get the cool room or things like that. But instead, they all want to stick together. So it it, it, it was very fitting uh, for that to be the resolution of this um, this sequence of the episode. Yeah. And then, of course, Rutherford manages to take back control of his body after getting the, like, main flashback, which, of course, freaking happens with, remember! <laughs> <laughs> I just burst out laughing when that happened. So, so good. It's just so obscure and weird, uh, the references they, they pull in this, and it's just amazing. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, well, anyway, um, I think th- any anything else you want to discuss on the Rutherford storyline before we take a break here, Adam? Um, I I, I guess that I, it's it's just one of those things where I. When the episode started, I thought we were going to be retreading, like, oh, we're going to erase his memory again, and now we're going to have to, like, reboot Rutherford, which we did in between seasons one and two. Uh, and I was like, I, I I momentarily got frustrated until it was clear that they were going in a, in a different direction with this episode. Uh, so, yeah, I, I just, uh, I, I appreciate that bit of a switcheroo that happened. Yeah, yeah. I think it's... Uh... It was, I, I don't, even though there were some cliches, I think, within this, like, the, you know, like, the guy can't fall asleep and he's, like, sweaty and having a bad dream or, like, the the split personality. I think it was executed in a way that kind of kept it fun and original and, and kind of fresh. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's take a break here, Adam. We'll come back with the rest of the episode. <laughs> You hate the truth! You're just a bunch of pathetic, gossipy weirdos! Collecting is stupid! It doesn't make you happy! Your ships smell like ass! Boimler, get back here! You're always getting people trapped inside of games! Stop trapping people inside of games! Welcome back to Strange New Takes. I don't know about you, Adam. I'm kind of enjoying the shorter Lord X episodes, you know? Yeah, especially after uh, so many other series like we're, we're stuffing a whole lot into every single year now it is nice to just have uh just something short and quick and there's not like there, there is no room for fluff in these right it's like it just gets to the point quickly and then you get to kind of enjoy some quick laughs and then it's over and you can move on with your life like it, you could watch it over like breakfast or something like that yeah you know? yeah but much more much more doable for me yeah for for sure all right. Well, let's let's get to the to the to the Star Trek uh, Starfleet recruiting booth. For those of you who didn't know, don't know this, I used to be a college admissions counselor, so I have gone to many a recruiting event and sat behind a booth with a tablecloth. No cutout with Kirk and Spock on my boots, <laughs> but uh, it can be somewhat of a tedious experience at times. Other times, it can be a lot of fun. But um, yeah, it definitely took me back a little bit. I had to be a little bit reminiscent. Uh, I reminisce a little bit when I when I saw them at the Starfleet booth. Yeah, it, it reminds me a little bit of. Uh, I, so it wasn't exactly a recruitment booth, but I I staffed a. Um, there's a, a a festival that's uh, run by a community development nonprofit here in St. Louis that uh, I I was helping them out in their booth uh, where it basically there was like a some before and after pictures of like some developments that they had done uh in and around the city and then also like a series of photos and explanations of like the work that they had done but Mm -hmm. because i wasn't involved with any of those things and i didn't have anyone (laughs) from there that that was working with me uh many times people would come and ask me questions and be like oh well let's find out together (laughs) and i would read the thing with them (laughs) 
it was a little bit awkward. I'm not sure that I sold anybody in that particular instance, but that that is I mean that is a quintessential experience though when you go ask someone a question, they're like, actually, I don't know, let's look at the manual together. And you're like, I am probably not hiring you for this. Uh-huh. <laughs> like this job. It's like, you know, it's like the guy who take your car to it's like, mm, no, I don't know. Let me Google that. Let me look at a YouTube video on how to fix this. Uh, Which thankfully that is what they do 100% but uh, they just don't yeah, tell you that's yeah. what's happening <laughs> yeah absolutely well um, before that though we get another deep cut reference from the first episode of Lower Decks Starbase 80 it's a place you don't want to go ah I didn't realize that that was a, a, a reference here as well yep yep Starbase 80 we have never seen Starbase 80 in Star Trek we just know that it's a terrible place you don't want to be there <laughs> And um, the the first of all, let's say that the cutout comes from the animated series, the Kirk and Spock yes, that we see. Yes. Are, are I, I love that it's canon that they looked like that, at least like in animation. <laughs> yeah, right. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I the series is using that lore really well, and. Number two, we get our booth placed next to the Independent Archaeological Archaeologist Guild, which I'm sure they probably wanted Bash to come back before they like replaced her with this other character. Yeah. Um, but but it, it's very clearly Vash reminiscent, although Vash is off with Q, so technically there's an excuse why she like she. Maybe she's showing up. People will be like, how is she here? She's not supposed to be. Why would she choose to be behind a booth when she could be hanging out with Q? But yeah, th- this definitely feels like a they couldn't get the a- the actress. And so were like they just had someone else come in because uh, th- there have been so many ep- episodes like even this season where we just like like I was not expecting Martok to show up again. <laughs> right. Uh, and things like that. And, uh, and I- I've especially enjoyed that they they bring in these characters and then completely waste them. <laughs> but mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, in, in this case, yeah, it, it's more reminiscent of Vash, but uh, not, not, not her ex- exactly. So this was Petra Aberdeen played by Georgia King. Georgia King has been in a bunch of stuff. I think some of you may have w- watched her in the movie Austinland, which is kind of a mediocre movie that makes fun of people who obsess over Jane Austen and Pride and Prejudice in particular. Mm. Starred um, the the guy who played Gaius Baltar in Battlestar Galactica and uh, Brett McKinsey from uh, uh, Flight of the Concords. And then Carrie Russell oh. plays the m- main character. Oh, also J.J. Field is in there. Th- this is a wild cast, uh, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's like... It's a it's a movie that if you just like want to veg out, need some ice cream and popcorn on the couch, and just watch and get a few laughs, like it'll be it's, it's fine. It is okay. not a good movie. Oh, Jennifer Coolidge is in there too. Uh, yeah, I, I, I can see it. Like, I guess to to some degree, I I sometimes I wonder like, is it a miracle that any movie is good? Uh, or like I like I I. Like, is it an accident that there are some, like, directors or, or, like, groups of people that consistently make movies? It's just because, like, they ha- like they happen to have made seven great movies in a row, but uh, it's because there were 300 copies of them that uh, made a good movie and then failed or just made s- several bad movies uh, or things like that. Um, 
I mean, yeah. this is the this is the key question of the creative process, right? Like, what I mean, it, it really has to be kind of all the parts have to fit, right? Like, you have to get a good script, you have yes. to get a good director, a great crew, like cinematographer. You know, every single little piece has to fall into place for it to become a, a truly good movie. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I and think like, I, I can see the pitch for this one, and at least like the 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 cast like that could be good but it, it's also it, it could also very easily just go into yeah sort of the lazy writing of like yeah jane austen sucks uh type stuff which oh no like no no it's it it's it's not <laughs> quite no it doesn't do that it's it is it is original i think it falls apart because the writing specifically for mm. austin Lynn in the like last third of the movie is kind of mediocre Mm. but it's still a, it's still a very charming movie and so i i highly recommend it if you've got like you know if, if you're obsessed if you or someone in your life is obsessed with jane austen books it's it's a fun uh quick watch fair enough all right so um when we when we have petra aberdeen played by georgia king as i was playing she's just basically as we learn later she's trying to get a scene to occur so that she can steal back the grand negus's cane <laughs> from this museum <laughs> um but as this is happening she basically incites a bunch of people from other tables who are basically again all lower decks references from the past yeah like we get those you get those like pink people <laughs> from the first episode <laughs> there in one shot we have the the folks with the crystals <laughs> yeah the, the collector's guild and uh yeah it, our post scientists <laughs> yes yeah, we who get to wear belts <laughs> Well, especially like it's it's great having the outpost scientist be the one criticizing them for like having to wear the same things all the time because like yeah. their are basically all identical, just like slightly yeah. different bits of gray and green. <laughs> I mean, it's also just I think a wonderful kind of uh, playground for obscure track references to like the the well, I mean, conspiracy isn't that obscure for us because we played a. RPG oh, yeah. game based on, I don't know how many people remember the first season episode where they're eating worms, like the butt bugs. That's pretty great conspiracy uh, theorists. <laughs> and I also liked that that they were like, oh yeah, like like that conspiracy. Like, wait, no, that one was real. <laughs> <laughs> of course, Boimler gets ticked off when someone disrespects his rank. So he gets he gets angry and starts flipping over tables, and he finally someone tells those damn game show people from Deep Space Nine to sh shut it down and stop trapping people in games. <laughs> uh, that was great. Uh, that was just great. Do you think Do you think we're gonna get uh, Mariner becoming Vash and going off with Petra Aberdeen? I mean, it, it kind of seems like that's where we're going to go. Because, uh, like, we have the... Maybe not the threat of her getting drummed out of Starfleet in this uh, season, but we're getting the threat that she's going to be, uh, like, drummed out of at least the uh, Cerritos itself. So I could see us having sort of that, that flip of, instead of uh, her relationship with Ransom... Uh, reaching the point where he uh, demotes her and sends her off to Starbase 80 or whatever, uh, that instead she just takes this opportunity with, uh, uh, is it Petra Aberdeen, uh, to go and do whatever it is that they're doing. Um, 
I mean, I suppose maybe then it'll get resolved in uh, episode one of season four. But uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm thinking that that's the tension that we're going to be going with. Because like we we had similar stuff with uh, mm-hmm. uh, Boimler uh, getting promoted at the end of uh, or not pr- promoted but at least like moved to the Titan uh, at the end of season one. Uh, so right, yeah. right. So so maybe at the end of the season, Mariner chooses to leave, and every, that's the like cliffhanger as everybody's just like looking at her walking away. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that because I mean that seems to be like the in the first episode, like you're saying, it was introduced that like. You know, Ransom is he's keeping an eye on her to like mm-hmm. drum her out at the first chance of any trouble. So yeah. Well, um I I think like this was I mean, this is a pretty thin plot to basically just throw a bunch of references at us and, and show us <laughs> yeah. Boimler freaking out. Like it wasn't very like profound, but I think the rest of the episode being more substantial with um uh Rutherford's backstory really made it okay, in my opinion. Yeah, um, it, like I, I was fine with this, with like a lighter B plot that, like, its only purpose is getting us references or whatever uh, from the the rest of the episode. I, yeah, I agree with you. Had meat. Yeah. Well, Adam, any last pieces about this episode that you'd like to discuss before we jump into ratings? Uh, one thing that I, I just, uh, had, had forgotten, uh, to, to bring up when we were talking about Rutherford, uh, we talked about it in the break, but, uh, uh, I just, I had missed the, uh, the reference that she made to the Kelvin timeline, uh, asking if, uh, Rutherford's nightmare was one where he's in a new timeline with Kirk and Spock where they have cinematic chemistry. (laughs) I just, that's, that's such a great, like tiny (laughs) reference to something (laughs) that, uh, lower, lower decks is really good at. I think the only question I have is, does that imply Kirk and uh, or Shatner and Nimoy didn't have cinematic chemistry, which I think is a little harsh, like, especially in the Wrath of Khan, you know, which they also <laughs> reference the remember. It's kind of like, you know, uh, <laughs> I thought that was very touching. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, well, good catch there. Um, Okay. So let's go into strange new ratings. Adam, do you want to stick your neck out and give reflections a rating? Yeah. Um so I I I had a lot of fun with this episode. Like like we said the uh the definitely the the ma- like the the important part of this episode is the Rutherford storyline and the rest is just sort of like let's get us some references. They're funny. I uh, I think I'm going to give it an 8 uh cuz I I enjoyed all that stuff. It uh I don't know that it was like the the best episode or or one that I would necessarily like rank up in my like all-time episodes of um uh lower decks but it was certainly a lot of fun uh i've I've been kind of frustrated the past few episodes of lower decks that have felt pretty uh mm-hmm. just forgettable to me uh mm-hmm. so uh yeah it's it's nice to get something back up in that eight territory that uh gives me some hope for the rest of the season all right all right well i am gonna go i think with uh I think I'm going to go with an 8.5 out of 10 because, like, I think this episode didn't wasn't, like, a, a 9 or a 10 is where, you know, I'm just, like, very emotionally, like, invested. But this was a solid display of Rutherford's backstory. I think in a compelling story. Mm-hmm. It's laughing throughout at the references at the, at the alien job fair. So <laughs> I think I think in general, I'm I'm just really pleased with this episode, even though it might not be one where I'm like, wow, that was the greatest episode ever or anything. So 8.5 out of 10 for me. Yeah. 
All right. Well, um, thanks, Adam, for joining me to talk about this episode. I know we had a little bit of a difficulty putting this episode together. Two of our colleagues were taken ill uh, who wanted to join us. And then we had to have a hard time finding a time for this. So, like, I'm really glad yeah. we could make it happen and come and chat about Star Trek together. No, I, yeah, I'm glad we were able to make this happen. Uh, like you said, it's, uh, it is delightful when you and I are unleashed on an episode. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, the weird, the weird comes out just a little bit. Yeah. All right. Well, and thanks, Bill. Thank you, uh, Emily. And thank you, Rudy, for being our other co-hosts at times. I hope whatever it is y'all are doing, y'all are having a great time. I know at least two of you aren't actually and are, in fact, quite sick. So uh, hope you have a great time soon. I, I hope you have a good like show that you watch when you're sick that is making you feel a little bit better right now. There you go. There you go, Adam. Good, Good way to put it. And thank you, dear listener, for making us a part of your listening routine this week. Thank you, Jishnu Guha, for recording our theme music. We always enjoy having you strum away at the guitar with the Klingon theme. And special thanks this week to the person who organized the job fair. Because, you know, we wouldn't have all these great references if this person hadn't been like, let's bring in all these weird groups of people that have been featured on Lower Decks for some reason and nobody else. <laughs> and and put them all together in a small space. Also, we'll invite like all the different aliens from different places, not just like one group of people. It's everybody. So, uh, special thanks to that guy. All right, everybody. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye.